welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Okay, friends. If you want to find your way back to your seats, that would be dynamite. We have to do some calisthenics for this one today. It's going to get really intense in here. There's some really heavy theological ideas that we're going to talk about. Are you guys ready? I, uh, th- you're l- I think thankfully uh, at the 11, I worked out some kinks at 9.30. I'm hoping that I worked out those kinks. Um, so we're going to just do this, okay? Are you ready? Uh, my- I'm Micah. By the way, uh, I'm also Mandy's assistant, uh, one of the pastors here at Awaken, and uh, very glad that you are here. If you have a Bible, you're going to want to turn to the book of Galatians. That's where we're going to be. We're going to look at two verses in Galatians. Before we get there, I'll just let you know, uh, we are uh, in, this is the third Sunday of Epiphany. Uh, if you didn't know, the church calendar begins in Advent and goes to P- Epiphany and then to Lent and then Pentecost, and uh, so this sort of... This, this way by which we navigate the year. So we're, we're wondering about and thinking about uh, what does it mean that the light of God has made its way into the world in Christ. And as we do, we're in this series on Galatians. And so if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we, uh, we're sort of, we've looked at how Galatians is split up into three kind of sections or categories, and we're just ending the first section. So Paul is talking about, he's addressing, and he's sort of... Uh, his, his authority as an apostle has been challenged, and so he's speaking to why he has the authority to say some of the things he's saying, and about what the nature of the gospel is and why it's important, um, how, in fact, uh, Christ's sacrifice on the cross impacts and affects us, and so he's working that out. Uh, you should also know in chapter 2, we're not going to study this as much, but just so you're aware... Uh, There is some conflict between he and one of the other apostles, Peter, who's been along on the journey with him. Peter has been going into these towns and teaching the the, the gospel of Jesus, this message of the resurrected, crucified and resurrected Messiah. And he's been hanging out with Gentiles, but then these Judaizers, these um, ethnic Jews have been coming along and kind of uh, asking Peter to sort of like, you know, toe the party line as it relates to Judaism. And so he's, he's sort of waffling back and forth and he's so Paul has a go at him. He says essentially in um, verse 12, like for cert- these certain men came from James and they, Peter used to eat with Gentiles, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. We've decided we're going to start a circumcision group here at the church. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, you know, these folks, they joined in, and Paul says, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Heavens to Betsy, Barnabas has lost his way. So then in verse 15, Paul says what we're going to study this morning. And I'll just, I'll warn you, this may be one of the more debated passages of Paul's entire writings, right? There's a a corpus, as as it were, a, a body of work that Paul has written and we have in the New Testament, and th- these two verses contain one phrase that is hotly debated. Should you translate it this way, or should you translate it that way? Because, as we'll see, the two differences between this way and that way seem to be at odds with one another and going in different directions. So, just so you know what you're getting into, okay? Are you ready? 
If you can, I'll, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to read these two, these two verses, and I'm going to read it in two different translations, or two different, uh, yeah, the NIV and then the King James Version. And you'll hear, if you're paying attention, you might hear the difference of one small word that sort of changes the tone of the whole passage. That's what we're talking about today, okay? So if you can, I'll invite you to stand. This is Galatians 2, verses 15 and 16. The NIV first. We, who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law no one will be justified. Now the King James. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even when even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Pray with me. God, this morning I pray and ask that you might um, be near us. Uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be uh, edifying and hopeful and life-giving, I pray. And I need you. Uh, I need your spirit to do that. So Holy Spirit, um, to the degree that we can, we entrust ourselves to you, even the preacher, and ask that you would say and do uh, the things that you want uh, that will bring life and hope and justice and peace to the world we live in, to our own worlds. I pray in the strong name of Christ and the church said together, amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so is it faith in Christ that justifies us, or is it the faith of Christ that justifies us? We've got one. We've got one. We've got one vote already. I love it. Rich, I love you, brother. Um, that is the question. And those two ideas seem to be quite different, do they not? Paul says, so we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, the NIV. And the King James translates that differently, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. So what I want to try to do this morning is I just want to highlight, we're not going to get like way deep in the weeds here, because I'm not a Greek scholar number one, and I don't know that it's terribly helpful, but I want to try to just show you what we're talking about and offer just a couple of reasons why people would say it's faith in Christ and a couple of reasons why people would say it's faith of Christ, and then we'll take communion. <laughs> uh, so here's essentially, in the Greek, there is a phrase that Paul uses in this passage. It shows up twice. It also shows up in Galatians 2.20, um, Galatians 3.9, a couple spots in Romans. So it's not the only place it shows up. But he never really... Uh, there, there's no real context as to what he means. And so people debate, it's faith in Christ, for sure. This is how you read this passage or this phrase. And then others say it's faith of Christ. So the, the phrase is, pistis... Christos, 
or uh, pistis isu Christos. So faith, Jesus Christ, or faith, Christ. And in the Greek, in the original language, there's no, there's no like qualifier there. It's called the genitive, where it, 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 it allows you to determine like what the meaning of it is. Is it faith, like, is Christ the object of my faith? So it's my faith in Christ, right? That's called the object, objective genitive. Or is, is Christ's faith the subject, the subjective genitive? Is it Christ's faithfulness or the faith of Christ that is active and at work, right? And in this passage, both or either are equally justified, so, literally, I mean, if you were to go online and just write in Pistis Christos, you will find article after article after article, like commentary after commentary, that debating these two renderings of this phrase. Faith in Christ, on the one hand, that my faith in Christ, your faith in Christ, justifies you before God, puts you in right relationship with God. And others who, who would argue that the faithfulness or the faith of Christ, regardless of is the, is the justifying, the active agent, as it were. So here are just a couple of reasons why people argue for faith in Christ. All right? We'll start there. Um, some would say that for in Paul, there is no supporting evidence to read it any other way, which is essentially an argument from, from silence, but they, they say that there's no evidence in any of uh, Paul's other writings to justify the reading of faith of Christ. So you should read it then, faith in Christ, that it's your faith in Christ which is active and at work. Um, you would think that if, if Paul wants you to, to understand it, faith of Christ, that, that that would be present in other places and there would be markers, there would be clues, there would be keys along the way, but really, there isn't. And so, many would argue, it should be understood as the faith in Christ that I have. Okay, that's one reason why people say you should read it that way. Another reason is that those who have gone before us, the church fathers, uh, and especially the later church fathers, so those closer to the Protestant Reformation, they make no mention of uh, reading it, faith of Christ. They, they always read it, faith in Christ. So the, the argument is, if these people who have gone before us have all read it this way, and one author says, it's not that the faith of Christ reading is explicitly rejected by the early Greek readers, but rather there's no awareness shown or, of, of this option, nor that there's any problem with rendering it faith in Christ. Does that make sense? So that's another reason why people say, like, you should really read it this way, because hundreds of years before us, people have been reading it this way with no problem. It's not until more recently, and scholarship more recently, that people are saying, no, this is a viable option over here. So the last reason why people would say faith in Christ is the better option is um, our faith in Christ, if we render it that way, preserves the idea of free will, all right? Which essentially is to say that within the Protestant and in the Reformed tradition, but more specifically like the Protestant Reformation, this idea of uh, the, the human's free will and the importance of my freedom to choose is, is a big deal. And if you know me, and you've been around awake and long enough, like, as I understand God and the world and evil, free will is a big deal, I think. I think that's really important. Um, you, have, how many people went to camp, like summer camp? Any, any summer campers in the room? Okay, a few of you. So maybe this metaphor would, will ring true. 
I've actually used it at summer camp. <laughs> uh, you know, you can imagine Christmas morning, right? And uh, you're all excited about Christmas morning. Everybody gets excited about Christmas morning. And underneath the tree, there is a gift. And that gift, it's been wrapped. It's got a bow on it. It has your name on it. It is there. It is waiting for you. It has been given by a loving person for you. It's been, like, bought and paid for and wrapped, and there it is, and it's yours. Right? But if you never open the gift, then it just sits there. Many would argue that, like, faith is you opening the gift. You can't, it's fine that God has done something, and it's fine that Jesus has died on the cross, but, like, your, partic- your active participation, your choosing to receive the gift is an important part that you have to preserve. So you have to render these, this phrase, faith in Christ, because if you lose your, your ability to choose or your volition as a free moral agent in the world, you lose something that's really important to the whole construct. So these people would say, you have to, you have to uh, translate this, this phrase, faith in Christ, that it's your faith in Christ. It's you choosing to open the gift that's been given. So those are a couple of reasons why people would say faith in Christ is the better way to translate it. But as I said before, a lot of ink has been spilled on this passage. And as many arguments as there is for faith in Christ, there are rebuttals and arguments for faith of Christ. So here's just a couple of them that I'll offer to you. And again, it would be very boring, but we could like list 50 different arguments as to why either one of these is true. I'll just give you a couple. So the first reason why many argue that this passage should be understood as the faithfulness of Christ or the faith of Christ is what justifies us. First is this. This tends to be uh, more understood in the Eastern tradition, like an Eastern Orthodox tradition. So if you're familiar at all with the Eastern tradition, there's this idea of theosis. Theosis is a tra- the transformative process whose aim is likeness with God. So within the Eastern tradition, which is a whole lot older than the Western tradition, right, there is this understanding that what I'm invited into as a human is to participate in the divine life. That the, the, God exists as Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And some would argue that actually you and I are a part of that, what they call perichoresis, the circle dance of God. That God exists as perfect relationality, Father, Son, and Spirit, always giving, always loving one another. And that you and I are actually made to participate in this divine life with God. Not as God, but with God. Very important distinction. That's called theosis. So to translate this passage, what justifies us is the faithfulness of Christ or the faith of God is a very Eastern understanding. Uh, And many would argue, like, it's just an older idea. So people have been talking about this and understanding the scriptures and the life of Christ and our participation in that life for thousands of years. Uh, So it's a very old idea as opposed to a much newer idea. Um, Paul in the New Testament seems to use this language even. Uh, I no longer live, but I am crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. Uh, Paul says in another place that I want to participate in the death and and, and crucifixion of Christ so that I might participate in the resurrection of Christ. So there's this language of participating in the divine life. That it 
And that the, what's important in that is that what Christ has done on your behalf. And so the faithfulness of God or the faithfulness of Christ is the most important agent there. Second argument in why you should read it this way would be, Paul seems to make this, this case that we can't fulfill the law. Even in Galatians, we talked about this two weeks ago. We can't fulfill the requirements of the law, but Christ does so on our behalf. So it's the faith of Christ, the faithfulness of Christ, that matters most. Not your ability to fulfill the law, but what Christ has done on your behalf. He uses this language of, of even Jesus and Torah, that what Torah couldn't do, which is provide forgiveness for all, Christ does once and for all in the death and resurrection. So it's the faithfulness of Christ that's needed and necessary. And third is, is a bit of a textual argument, but in another place in Romans 3.21, Paul suggests that God's righteousness is on display. It's been revealed, and it's been revealed by pistis Christu. So do you translate that? God's righteousness is revealed because of my faith in Christ or because of the faithfulness of Christ? It seems like that is a much better reading of the text. The faithfulness of Christ is what declares and puts on display God's righteousness. I don't know about you, but if you were to put my faith on display, it wouldn't be that pretty. And I don't think it would often like, put on display the righteousness of God, right? So here's what it reads in Romans 3.21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed. It's been shown and is attested to by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in or of Christ, pistis Christu. Is it my faith in Christ that puts God's righteousness on display, or is it the faith of Christ that puts God's righteousness on display? So many would argue the latter has to be how you read that. And it's the same phrase there that we have in our passage. Now, I'm mildly interested in this. Uh, I, th I find this fascinating. I read a lot of articles this week. I did a lot of study. But I'm guessing that you might not be as excited or interested in this technicality of the Greek as I am. But here's why I think this is important. Is it the faith, is it my faith in Christ that justifies me? Right? Let's read the passage again. We who are Jews by birth, we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by my faith in Christ? Or is it, we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Christ? These are two very different ideas. And I wonder this morning, a couple of things. These two ideas seem to be in competition with one another, right? Like, you can't have it both ways. It can't be both. And Whenever there's tension as humans, like what we want to do is resolve it. You know what I'm saying? Our brains are actually wired to, to uh, determine and distinguish like binaries, either or. That's, like, everything in our brain wants to like, re resolve that tension that exists between these two competing ideas. Our survival depends on it, right? We have to be able to make decisions. And especially early on in our development, even as humans, but I would argue as, as spiritual people, like good binary, or binaries are okay. They're good. They help us live. They help us not die. You know, do not cross the street. Why? Because you will die. That's a good binary. You know, we don't want to talk about the, you know, the philosophical nature of, you know, gravity or the person driving and their intentions and whether or not I should or if I have the right of way. No, just don't cross the street. 
But as we grow, I wonder if our desire to resolve the tension, maybe even, could I go as far as to say, stops serving us. So what we want, what I want, I'm assuming, we, what we want to do is to decide, Micah, is it faith in Christ or is it faith of Christ? Which one is it? Because it can't be both. And I wonder if it isn't, if this isn't a possibility. There are some of us in the room for whom uh, need it to be or want it to be or it resonates more that it's faith in Christ. That some of you in the room here today are, are, like, you resonate with that understanding of this passage. That it's my faith in Christ that justifies me. And then there's some of you in the room who are over here, and, you're, and when I read it's the faith of Christ, like, it, it, it's like a tuning fork in your soul. You know? And, like, there's a note that's just been rung that's true. Okay. Is it yes and... Is it possible, like, today, I'm not going to give you an answer. I'm not going to tell you, like, I think it's this one or I think it's that one. Just set that out there. In case you were waiting for it, it's not coming. But I want to invite you into the tension this morning. And I wonder if the tension doesn't have anything to teach you. If the tension doesn't have anything to teach us. There are some of us in the room who just, mm, this just feels like a warm blanket. Like, it's, it's, I have to, I have to, we, humans, you have to choose to, like, trust Christ, and that's a, that's a choice that everybody gets to make, and everybody has to make, and that, like, feels really good. Is there anything about this other reading that has anything to teach you? That it's the faith of Christ, first and foremost, above and beyond anything else. Is there anything about that reading that challenges some of the things that you naturally gravitate towards or that you feel good about. Because if I choose Christ and somebody else doesn't choose Christ then, and they get what I get, that's not fair. Those of you for whom this feels like a warm blanket, that what God has done, God has done. And wouldn't it, be like, wouldn't it be like God that somehow God gets what God wants in the end, which is all that God has made good and all that God has created? And for those of you who like this rings true, is there anything about the other reading of the text that has anything to teach you or offer an invitation for you in that this morning? That may, maybe there is something about my participation, my active choosing to place my trust in Christ and to say yes, to open the gift, as it were. Is there anything about that reading that challenges the things that feel most natural to you or at home for you? I think that as people mature on the spiritual journey, binaries and either or become less helpful and our ability to sit in the tension and see from your perspective the validity or truth in someone else's perspective and vice versa actually begins to make us bigger. It expands us. It 
helps us grow and relate to and love others as ourself, which is, I think I remember somebody saying that, love your neighbor as yourself. So this morning, I'm not going to give you an answer. Which one is it? But I'm going to invite you into the middle, into the tension that exists between these two seemingly opposite ideas. I'm going to ask you to maybe identify which one you relate to more than the other, and then just look at the other and say, is there anything there that, is there, is there any truth, is there any uh, invitation from the divine this morning to teach me something new about who God is or who I am or how I'm to relate to God? That's the invitation. And I think it's so fascinating this morning that we do this, right? We're making our way to the table, which I think is kind of just yes and. It's bread and wine. It will always be the bread and wine, the body and blood, regardless. It's been done. It's happened. The faithfulness of Christ on display right here today. And you can choose to sit in that seat and not come up here and take that bread and dip it in that cup and take it into your body. And you can make that choice. That's, you're free to do that. So it's yes and. There, you can't do anything to change this reality. This is the faithfulness of God, always and forever. And so maybe even as you come today, maybe you need to get up out of your seat and act and choose and volitionally, like your own because love is always a choice, right? The divine does not force God's self on you, but offers. And so you come and you say yes. You exercise your faith in Christ by coming up. Or maybe today what you need is to just rest in the fact that you can't muster up enough of anything you're trying to muster up. It's already been done. And it's right here. So come. Yes and. Faith in Christ and the faith of Christ. Could it be both? Pray with me. God, I pray that this morning in the midst of this paradox, this statement or proposition that seems self-contradictory or absurd, but in reality might express truth that you would expand us um, challenge our ways of thinking that are small and maybe selfish or self-centered uh, open us up to you and who you are. We know that there's nothing we can do to justify us. No amount of work, no amount of effort, but it's our trust in the work of Christ. This gift that is on offer, on display. And we know that the faithfulness of Christ matters most. And that Christ remains faithful, period. So even in this next few moments of silence, would you help us to see maybe which reading or understanding we feel most comfortable in and offer an invitation from 
the opposite perspective. And God, the desire is that we grow, that we change, that we become more and more who you've invited us and called us and made us to be. So Holy Spirit, speak to us now, we pray. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And when he did, he said, this is my body, broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, remember me. Don't forget. In the same way, he took a cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is my blood shed for you. A new covenant written in my name, written in my blood. And when you drink of it, remember me. Don't forget. Say yes again. So in just a moment, we'll invite you to the table. The table of yes and... And we'll invite you to come down the side aisles. Uh, there'll be three stations. Gluten-free will be in the middle. And we'll invite you to take a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup. There's red wine and there's white grape juice. And you'll hear the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. It's already been done. Nothing you can do to change that. It's the faithfulness of God. And you can choose to eat it to take it in, to make it a part of you. Before that, the kids will come and we'll bless them with honey. We'll say, that, we'll say to them, may the word of God be like honey on your lips. And while all of this is happening, the prayer space is open. Mel will be leading us in song and we'll invite you to sing or to listen and respond, either in silence or in song or at the table. So this is the table not of the church but of the Lord. It's made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. So come you who have much faith and you who have little. You who've been here often or maybe not been here for a very long time or ever before. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. So come not because the church invites you or because I invite you but because the resurrected Christ invites you to come and be fed at the table. Well, friends, we did it. Another day. I, uh, 
I was talking to my wife one time, her name's Laura, if you didn't know, and we were talking about just the, like the, the funny nature of the thing that we do week to week when we come and we do this together. We're like, Does, do you remember anything that your youth pastor told you or taught you? She asked me and I was like, no, I don't remember anything he said. And she's like, yeah, I don't really either. But I went every week and I got fed. Like, it happened, you know? That happened. So, good to be with you. I pray and I hope and I trust that you go with the Spirit of God with you or chasing you. And that you recognize and know, maybe in a new way, that you have a choice to participate in this song that's playing. To organize your life around its notes and its harmonies. And to say yes to the love of God in Christ by faith. You get to do that or don't. And also that before you were even here and long after you're gone, the faith of Christ remains. The faithfulness of Christ, the faithfulness of God, which is good news. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and the church said together. Amen. 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 Grace and peace, friends. See you next week. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.